0: You are now listening to. Well, well, I'm feeling now. Like,
1: Oh my God! Did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, it's Masandri. <laughs> yes, Masandri. Oh poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ex.
0: It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman.
1: Are you wearing it?
0: How big were her breasts? <laughs>
1: Well, hello, lovely people. Hello. Hi. Hopefully all of you are enjoying. It's midway through Pride Month this June. Hopefully having a great month so far. A great beginning to summer. If you're a Spice Girls fan, hopefully you heard that news that just came out that Jerry said she was sorry for abandoning us and her friends (laughs) 21 years ago. (laughs) And I feel like baby me needed that. Baby me who saw the Spice Girls. Baby me who bought Spice Girls bubblegum as ridiculous as it was, I did do that before school and bragged about it. So it was a good fucking good fucking weekend. We're coming to you live from the studio, guys. You want to know what time the fuck it is? I'm going to tell you. It's a quarter to 6 a.m. And I would just like to say that this is Terrence's fault. We had every intention to record (laughs) this fucking episode at like two. And then, you know how like everything queer that's ever been filmed, if it could be on the internet, someone did put it on YouTube. And so... Terrence decided to take me on a journey. It was a dedicated stream <laughs> of sorts. Of a ship that I did not know existed. What was it from? Circa 2012? Yeah. The uh, Obama years. Those were those were some good years for me. That's probably why I missed this show. I was outside having a good time. But it took me through the ups, the downs. And I'm actually kind of pissed off because um, it's done now. And there's no more seasons. And... I mean, why that, did you do this to me? The
0: actors want resolution. <laughs> the show is supposedly coming back, but they again, they're trying to reboot it with doing all new. I don't actors. want that. I need to see what's, what's going
1: on with, with Tariq right. and his man. I feel right. like they shouldn't have left me on red like that as the viewer. I'm Literally, not okay. I'm not Literally. ready. Um, the experience when it was live <laughs> was the crazier part because it was like, because when you got to go week to week, that's not cool. We already, <laughs> Killing Eve is basically the only show I bother to go week to week with and give myself that type of anxiety for, like willfully, just willfully inflict myself with pain. That's not something I generally like to do. Give me the streaming situation or don't give it to me at all. That's not true because I DVR SVU. (laughs) I do. I'm never gonna stop DVRing SVU. As long as Mariska Hardigay is playing Olivia Benson, masandrist and cop extraordinaire, I will be DVRing that show. So that's a lie. I do watch things week to week. (laughs) I just wanted to stress that you put me into peril and distress by making me watch this. You guys, it was basically like a three hour video. Like he was like, let me just put this on real quick. The ship after we were talking about Gentleman Jack, he's like, let me put this on real quick. And he didn't tell me that he was going to put me through the Titanic of emotions and where there's no real resolution. Like there's minor resolution, but there's not really not really at all. Why does this always have to be what what happens to me with queer ships? Why is it? Why? But I get it. You wanted me to suffer with you, so fine. I mean, Congratulations. I, I hope, you're, ha- <laughs> I I hope was... you're happy. I hope you're happy. I was. And if anyone's curious, I was talking
0: about the show, L A Complex. I you guys are probably like me. You knows. never heard of that fucking shit. <laughs> Alright, But if you just go on the YouTube's and look for some ships from L A Complex.
1: Look for the queer ships. Apparently, it was on. Um, what was it? CW. The CW. Yeah. I'm still shocked that they actually had a fucking queer ship that didn't just die because okay. that's, <laughs> that's usually where they go with that. I'm, I know there's something happening in, in Riverdale, but I'm not watching Riverdale, so I can't speak to that. Uh, yeah, I'm not either. So, guys, we're back for a couple reasons, as you might expect. There have been some articles, but that's not the real reason we're back. That's part of the reason why we're back, to mention some of these new articles we had. But we also had a number of requests from listeners who were asking about our opinion on the HBO period drama Gentleman Jack. And so initially, as I told you, I was apprehensive about, you know, giving our opinion because I was like, well, what if it's not up to Killing Eve quality? What if someone asks our opinion and they really feel it and we just fucking don't? Um, so we were kind of hesitant on getting back to that. Also, I just didn't watch it. I wasn't ready to muddle my my Killing Eve vibes with something that could have potentially been of lower quality or less, less passion. And I finally took the plunge, the peer pressure plunge this past weekend and... Uh, for those of you who follow our Twitter, I'm sure you saw that I was like, "Well, I'll be goddamned. <laughs> the quantity of Gentleman Jack is uh, unparalleled. Yes, I said it. It's true." <laughs> Terrence hasn't really watched it. He's watched the YouTube equivalent of some stuff. And so we decided we're going to we're going to go through the show for you guys. Not on this Twitter feed. This is not a Twitter feed. I don't know what you out. mean. Yeah. Not on this. It's five fucking <laughs>
0: It's I a quarter to six,
1: not on this feed, but on a new a new podcast stream, we are going to start reviewing Gentleman Jack because apparently there's not that many people doing it at all. We basically just found one podcast and that's because I was looking to sort through my feels, my complicated feels, my feels of awe and wonder and shock and everything that was happening and there was nothing there. So I was like, well, I guess it's time for us to monologue into the void <laughs> for hours yes. about this fucking show. And so we're going to do that, you guys. But before we bother giving our little summary recommendation, if you can't tell already, I'm recommending it 155,000% for you to watch. But let's go over these little articles that popped up for Killing Eve. I mean, we already gave you guys the advice last episode for our disco episode for you to keep it, keep it disco and don't read those shits. But we'll read those shits and we'll pass it on to you if it's worth knowing. What was that first article you were telling me about today? Okay. So what do I see? The first one that i see is
0: looks like killing eve season two episode two nine things we need to talk about as well, not ends up in a uh, uh, basildon but uh, <laughs> i'm trying to figure out why we uh, posted this is gonna be fucked oh, because of this the is time. why the broadcaster reported that 3.7 million people tuned in to watch the first episode of bbc one Oh, so this is for the U.K.? This is for the stats. And then 2.6 million people requested the box set for the second series in the first 36 hours
1: of it being available. So, So this is all U.K. stats. Yes. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it as well. I like that. That's the kind of stuff I like to hear. That's good shit. Congrats to all involved because those are some good ass numbers.
0: And for everybody who chose not to wait, but are choosing to support, the there's a official lot of people release. like that. Yeah, they're
1: like, I've already cheated. I've watched the whole series, but I'm watching it live with my mom or right. my auntie or whoever the fuck. So that's good. Yay, yay for Killing Eve because we all won series three like on schedule. On schedule. Don't play any games, BBC. Do not play any games. What's it? Suzanne Heathcote.
0: Oh yes. Um, get, get new showrunner. Get new showrunner yeah don't play games right and then um, get on that shit watch watch season one <laughs> watch do your homework season study. two uh i don't know audition heavily critique these uh new costume de- designers
1: oh my god that's actually relevant news relevant sad news i will put in some in memoriam yeah <laughs> some in memoriam tunes you guys charlotte Our beloved Charlotte, our beloved Charlotte, who gave us all the big dick energy blazers in season one and season two. Our beloved Charlotte, who gave us the plaid in which she confronted Nego. Our beloved Charlotte that gave us preppy villanelle at Oxford. She's out the paint for season three because Charlotte is obviously in demand. Charlotte has been picked up and maybe she's being paid more than Killing Eve for whatever fucking show. She's going to, but she has engaged the fans on her Instagram who are asking her about her Series 3 involvement to let us know that she is not involved in Series 3. And I'm trying to figure out how you let a Charlotte go. I'm trying to figure out how fashion is that big of a deal for your show and you let your winner, the person who was cultivating it, the person who was clearly buying vintage Alexander McQueen off the internet and going to fucking thrift shops I just need for you guys to make sure, please BBC, that whoever the fuck you hire in Charlotte Stead, whoever fucking takes her place, has the same kind of skill of just putting shit together or like the eye, the eye that finds vintage pieces, like the person that knows where to go and find everything that looks great on Jody. I don't know I just, I mean, it seems minor, but it's actually major to me that they're changing the costumer, and I just really hope that whoever they bring on is like an apprentice of Charlotte or has worked with Charlotte or just gets it. So that's not really good news. It's not really bad news, but it, it could it, be. It, right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But it could be y'all. I don't. I don't fucking know. All right. And
0: the next article, um, which. Looked like from a glance it would be really shady, so I just had it set to the side. It's the one you found. It uh, <laughs> oh, looks like it is
1: called "Killing Eve and the Rise
0: of the Older
1: Screen Queen." You, yeah. The minute I read that, my masandry peaked, and I was like, "Who needs to be punched?" Just a quick summation of this article that is interestingly titled. Starts out saying that there was a time not so long ago when actresses became invisible on their 40th birthdays, which <laughs> I'm absurd. Sorry, That should be when bitches get their crown for like leveling up in beauty, but I'm biased, I guess. Okay, 40th birthday's. Work started to dry up in film. 80% of leading roles for, quote, mature actors all went to men. Don't we know it? As well as most of the dialogue. Even the Oscar-bedecked Meryl Streep feared obsolescence. Quote, I remember as I was hovering around 40, I thought each movie would be my last, really, she said in 2016. The article continues, that was then. But in recent weeks, however, it has felt as if all the smartest, best-written, and most richly nuanced characters on television are older women. Streep is just one beneficiary of the changing mood, The 69-year-old has joined the cast of HBO's Big Little Lies, whose second season premiered this past Monday. The series also features several other women of a certain age, as well as Nicole Kidman, who's 51, Laura Dern, 52, Reese Witherspoon, 43. And the director is a 58-year-old British filmmaker who goes by the name Andrea Arnold. And here's where it gets relevant to Killing Eve, where it continues. At almost the same moment, the second season of Killing Eve hit British screen starring 47-year-old Sandra Oh, who has transfixed viewers with her smart and compelling weird performance, interesting that you say weird, as the obsessive MI6 agent Eve Palastri, who is the foil to Jodie Comer's anti-heroine assassin Villanelle. O's near decade-long run as a doctor on the U.S. drama Grey's Anatomy ended in 2014 and a career went rather quiet until Killing Eve exploded into the zeitgeist. When the eight new episodes dropped on the BBC's iPlayer, and this is the stat you just gave us, 2.6 2.6 million people downloaded the box set within 36 hours, watching between phone, laptop, and television. It goes on to say that suddenly it seems the small screen is finding room for mature, <laughs> complex, leading ladies.
0: I'm so confused. Are was, you trying to tell me that it, what, was if, there not room for it, them
1: before? It's like, um, I also would like to add that the audiences were always here. Uh, yeah. What has changed is the medium and streaming and the competition that streaming has allowed creating it's the golden age of television as people are calling it because we've had more shows than we've ever had before. We still are not getting the type of representation we should be getting really. But the fact that there's like 600 plus shows, I believe on broadcast at any given time, I have to fact check myself on that, but I'm pretty sure it's around that number. Um, that's fucking huge. I just, I want to know
0: what, what, what was the headspace? You know what I mean? For, I don't know, randomly thinking, Oh my God, Ugh. there's a show that I love. And it, the leading woman is
1: older, this it. I don't. It's, it's disrespectful they also have a chart here which is interesting let me see oh well the chart basically is like i'm sure you see it there but it says women are gradually getting more prominent roles in major tv shows and it basically chronicles the female share of leading roles in the top 300 tv shows of each of the past four decades so we have the Sorry. 1980s and we've got I guess at the peak years, Golden Girls, Murder She Wrote, Roseanne. Oh,
0: I was gonna say every single one of those. That is so. <laughs> interesting. I don't think there's a lot of.
1: It's like yeah, it's not like you have a lot of options. You probably would have narrowed it down to those '80s shows.
0: And I'm gonna assume that '90s they're not gonna go the Family Matters route
1: because shows of color probably won't appear in there. Or Drew Carey. For the 1990s, they have Sex and the City at the top, which. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Buffy. Well, yes. Friends is lower than Buffy. Then X-Files sends Dawson's Creek. Lot of mercy. And you know, this isn't me disputing Dawson's Creek. This is just me having a flashback to Dawson's Creek and my issues with it. But yes. I guess the middle part has Frasier and then a little bit down there, Stargate SG-1. Nerdy me. Did you watch Stargate? I Feel like if that was a boat i was not on oh well uh if it's a sci-fi boat i'm on that boat <laughs> oh, okay. so i was on that boat and i've watched all the stargates i have to, I I have to admit that the shit. concept from the outside where it's like everything's connected because
0: it's a network so you could just true. dial sci-fi in was like and more get to and more shows. To go. right so it's like well then that means that there's there was potential legit like, for spin-offs. everything yeah right. did you ever watch farscape Why what i feel like that's a game is it
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's probably not know. but
0: it sounds like it's a game or somebody would have built the game.
1: It was just a very well crafted I'm going to show you the picture. If you don't recognize the picture, it's one of those shows that either you saw or you didn't but it's totally cult cult related at this time. Like I don't I don't know how Why big Why does she
0: look really familiar to me? Which the one? light blue what was a
1: Oh, Chiana. Well, first of all, the makeup in the show was beautiful because they were doing alien hues and it was like Cues of blue and green, and just you could tell someone really put their effort into it. But when I ask people if they watch Stargate, I always ask Farscape because they're on at the same time, or like Eureka. Did you watch I like Dorica? I okay. <laughs> I knew we were going to hit one eventually because I was like, I've watched all the sci-fi shows. doesn't matter how bad. I mean, it's like that's, me that's and that's horror films. Like U- I'm going to watch no matter how shitty it
0: is. If it was on like USA,
1: I probably was, uh, I was probably watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. So Farscape, oh no, it was Stargate we were looking at in that article. that That's what sent us off into the, the tangent. Was that they had Stargate on this fucking list for the 90s. And then for the 2010s, they have Fleabag appropriately okay hats off to you phoebe waller bridge because they're talking about the 2010s and two of your goddamn shows are Are in the the top bracket and that's fleabag which supersedes killing eve and under fleabag is girls which uh well that was
0: some moment in time i
1: suppose um oh then we have westworld so i'm gonna assume that in the 90s like voyager was really there well, they're saying, "Oh, they don't even have Voyager because just... they have the next generation. They <laughs> yeah, didn't even because Voyager would have been '90s, and they don't have it there. It's not there." Mm-hmm. All right, so then we're gonna
0: dance around this article and move on to what is next. Was this a uh, Killing Eve reimagined as rom com by the BBC? So this uh, this article we found amidst uh do we want to say light a
1: slight controversy? It's like controversy. Which article is this? So I was reading that only 11% of movies in the UK were made by women. And I was like, oh, "Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. uh, Killing
0: Eve reimagined as rom-com.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) what was hilarious about that? We retweeted that video. And uh, if you guys are interested, you can check it out. I wouldn't say it's an extraordinary edit, but it's a funny one. It and it's basically funny. just taking scenes from the show and putting some fucking royalty-free music behind that thing that you might expect from, like, Love Actually or... Um, right. What are those ensemble pieces that come out in America and they're always trash, like Valentine's Day, <laughs> Christmas Day, like that fucking horrible New Year's thing. Eve. Yeah, is one that? of those... And they retweeted it, or rather, they didn't retweet it, but they just tweeted it. And it was funny to see all the salty Killing Eve fans that are still in the comments. like, <laughs> But Eve is dying. She's laying in a pool of her own blood. Stop gaslighting us. And um, we actually did notice that someone else was like, I had this idea first. And they linked to a fan video where they basically have the same concept of Killing Eve as a romantic comedy. So, well, you know what? We'll link both those videos in the show notes if you guys give a damn and you want to check it out. You let us know who did it better.
0: Right. Let us know which one you love. I mean, I love supporting I just love people who p- yeah. do
1: original work. That's what I love. Me too. And I just love people who support the, the obvious sapphic gayness of, of our two leading ladies. None of that bullshit of like, is it a mother daughter situation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Have we discussed the that fact, on the air? The fact that someone fixed their pen
0: to coin. We didn't coin did we? Did we discuss a that on the air?
1: I'm so confused. I want
0: to hope that we did because if anybody thought that we were holding water or weight on an opinion of someone who could not read... The relationship between Villanelle and Eve. They, did you think it was parental? I can't remember when that you article thought it was came parental out. and not sapphic, or did you think it was a combination of?
1: I think it's possible we were just ranting on Twitter. I really
0: have to think about this for a sec. Okay, we may have been loud on Twitter, guys. But I'm, I'm so sorry and post, but in the moment things need to be said. So <laughs> that.
1: things need to be said. I'm trying to see when we sent that tweet, and okay, so I was giving my TED talk on cliche. On August, that's not right, on June 7th. So, when did we publish our last episode? So no, we did not speak about this. Right, right, right. It's just been a while. So we feel like, and that's because I did go on a rant online and many other people went on a rant online. If Killing Eve was looking at their mentions for the past two weeks, they were like, oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) So basically just to give you guys a rundown real quick, if you're not aware, you might already be, you might've already had your rant about it, but there was an article that came out and let me pull it up real quick, real quick. Basically, a number of listeners, I think they wanted to hear me rage and trigger me at the same time, knowing <laughs> what makes me upset. And we got the, this article sent to us a couple of times. And the, the quoted part in the tweet was, quote, psychopaths can't have healthy obsessions. It'll never end well. End quote. How will Eve and Villanelle's obsession play out in Killing Eve series two? And so I'm like, oh, this is another another article. Let me read it. No, guys, it was a bad idea. So apparently the psychiatrist, as the article decided to say, I don't know how true this is in terms of how much influence he actually has over the creation of the show or input he has with Sally or Phoebe or Emerald or Susan, whatever. But the sub-byline of the article was the psychiatrist behind Killing Eve's psychopathic assassin on her motivations, obsessions, and charms. And let me just tell you, it was the patriarchy. It was. Oh, I bet it, it was. It like it. Did you? I f- well, no, I, I feel like you did. Like I did. You did. And we erased it from our minds. Yes, We're back was, here again because we weren't sure if we talked about it. Okay. It was that. Um, bad. I don't even want to read all of what he said out loud because I will just go back to yelling and screaming like I did in that day.
0: Mm-mm. Freestone's approach to making Villanelle an authentic psychopath was to take the character in author Luke Jennings' source novels, which he says nailed the primary psychopath very well, and treat her like he would treat a real life case study, writing a formulation which included a source on the hair psychopathy checklist, which is commonly used to assess the presence of psychopathy in individuals. She scored a uh, 32. Which is Oh, did she? Did she score thirty-two? Did she score <laughs> thirty-two? Incredibly high, poor woman.
1: Hmm. Um. Century so sent. yes. So what's interesting about this that already pissed me the fuck off? There was there was so many levels to why I was angry at this article. One, it's a dude, that, and so if that. we could have found an expert in the field who was not a dude, that would have been fun. Uh, I see he's retweeted the. He retweeted the article saying, Thanks to Joe Shoot for a great article, but no, Telegraph sub-editor, I did not in any sense create Villanelle. That was a group of people, mainly women, with far more vision and application than me. I mean, they took your direct quotes, bruh. If you didn't want your quotes to (laughs) be. Like, we read it. I mean, I'm glad that you fucking. Tried to explain that you're invalid when it comes to your thoughts. Because outside of that hair test, and we've already given our TED Talks about whether or not fucking Villanelle is a straight sociopath and yada, yada, yada. But the primary thing I took issue with, let me just read the wording because you already know. Oh, here it is. (laughs) Here's what had some people really upset at this dude as just being an annoying guy. He says, quote, We started to think about Villanelle's complex relationship with her father and the absence of any mother figure. Villanelle is searching for some kind of attachment figure, but she's not quite sure what a mother figure looks like. So we wondered, what would that look like for a psychopath and went from there? End quote. What? 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 Right, right, what? right. 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 Wait. 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 Let me let me finish before you scream. The article continues. One question many viewers have been asking is whether Villanelle's obsession with Eve tips over into love. But Freestone believes that is an emotion Villanelle is entirely incapable of feeling. Did he watch season one? I, I'm trying to figure out. Forget season two. Did he watch season one with Anna? You know Why?
0: what? I want to explore something that was never explored ever before. Oh, but
1: please, please allow me to finish before you scream, because you'll want to. So, after he says that he believes that's an emotion that Villanelle's entirely incapable of feeling, he adds, and he completely rejects the idea that the pair are involved in a lesbian affair. <sighs> quote, <sighs> and I quote, a psychopath is, what can I take from you? And that means you become simply an instrument rather than a person in your own right. And that is quite disturbing. Quote, so a psychopath's understanding of love, it's a finely tuned jealousy. In Villanelle's case, it's a little unclear what she desires. Is it mothering or another kind of intimacy? Is it mothering or another kind of intimacy? Is it mothering? Is it mothering? Uh, Is it mothering? mothering? You can take your patriarchal Freudian goddamn comparisons and suck my fucking dick, Dr. Freestump. But how, just help
0: me, how did you get there? How did you please, get there? Please, please. There, because like, you, you, <laughs>
1: uh, you open with the um, fact that you know nothing about her upbringing. So, wait, wait, I'm not done. I, I, didn't get to the, I didn't get to the most egregious of, and you would think, you would think I got there. I did not, I, I, I did was, not, and there's plenty more in this article, but I'm only gonna cherry pick what pissed me off the most. So after that, he says, people have kicked the idea around that they were lesbian lovers. But that's simply another cliche that we all wanted to avoid. Terrence, where's the lesbian Wait, cliches? So is where there, are the lesbian are we cliches? Drowning in lesbian where content? are the women who are attracted to women right. cliches? Where, where doth they be? I mean, where are does they? Uh, when
0: something's a where are cliche, does, doesn't that mean that something that's overdone? Done far too I much? I feel like or? we've made
1: ridiculous amount of requests to the huts, to the people who have this information, to the cliche holders, to please share the library of cliches with us so we too can be jaded. So we too can be tired of all the lesbian cliches. I need help. I need for someone to help this make sense. But you know what? It doesn't make any sense actually. There's no sense to make of it because Mark Freestone is a douche canoe. He's a douche canoe.
0: That's it.
1: Ugh! I can't.
0: I can't. I want to. I. I don't. I. A uh, part of me wants you to be able to explain your way out of this mess that you put yourself in. That's no. There's
1: nothing. That's what, right. There's nothing to explain. And you know what? And you know fucking what? And you know what? You guys like fuck him, <laughs> honestly. And I think he said fuck himself in that tweet where he was like, "Listen, I'm not even really a part of it. Other women created that." First of all, how are you trying to take any kind of credit for Phoebe Waller-Bridge's work, really? I
0: just. I. I. I.
1: Oh. So for those of you who follow us on Twitter, you saw that rant that happened and it was just like me typing cliche in all caps, just looking for some fucking clarification. Still kind of waiting for the clarification, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. But what did happen that was super cool is... We were sent another article and it's almost as if someone was listening to this podcast and heard that we said that we were going to get a woman expert with like four degrees to come Mm -hmm. up in here and talk to us about Villanelle. We're trying to get said expert to actually watch the show in full. But, you know, bitches with degrees be busy. But another article was sent to us about a day or so, maybe two days, I can't recall, after our rant about this fucking dude. And guess what? It was an article featuring the opinion of a woman, a woman with a PhD having to do with behavioral issues or the studying of psychiatry, psychopathy, sociopathy, etc. So this article appeared in express.co.uk and the title was Killing Eve Season 2 is Villanelle a Believable Psychopath. And it reads, Killing Eve season two returns tonight as we reunite with Eve and our beloved psychopath Villanelle. But how believable is her depiction? Express.co.uk spoke exclusively with Dr. Chelsea Slater. And already I was like, Chelsea! That's a woman. Is, I'm already oh, feeling better about right. it. About the accuracy of the character. So it reads, Killing Eve season two has been eagerly awaited by UK viewers since it aired in America during April. The hit BBC America show is back with its blistering portrayal of female assassin Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer, as she is pursued by security operative Eve Polastri, played by Sandra Oh. Villanelle's character is repeatedly called a, quote, psychopath throughout the first series. But is this believable in medical terms? Is it? Is it? Killing Eve made waves when Series 1 aired on the BBC last year with its unique portrayal of a female hitwoman. The BBC show introduced Villanelle as she began a cat-and-mouse chase with former MI5 agent Eve hotly in pursuit. Series 1 was praised by critics and fans alike for its unique depiction of two female protagonists and writer Phoebe Waller-Bridge's darkly comedic tone. Now the series is back with its second outing for Assassin Villanelle beginning tonight, Saturday, June 9th at blah, 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 blah. As we pick up after the dramatic finale of Series 1, we're sure to see Villanelle brutally murdering some more targets in the show. Thanks to her cold nature and remorse-free actions, Villanelle is repeatedly called a psychopath throughout Season 1. In one particularly self-referential moment, we see her say to Eve, quote, You should never tell a psychopath they're a psychopath. It upsets them. This is such a cornerstone of the character that the writers even employed a psychiatry consultant to make sure she was accurately portrayed. Look, we have feelings about Dr. Mark Freestone, and it continues in an interview with BBC America, Dr. Mark Freestone, the man behind the job, spoke about the characteristics that classify Villanelle as a psychopath. He said, quote, she sees people as a means to an end, feels no remorse for her actions, lies easily and without hesitation, and relates to other people in a very distorted way, end quote. Indeed, throughout season one, viewers saw her brutally killing and taking pleasure in it, as well as feeling no remorse at her actions. We also see her charm and promiscuity, which are both factors that have been associated with Psychopathy. Like Hold up. Hold up. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't remember that line was me? in there. I didn't remember that line was in Beware there. Beware of I- the loose <laughs> w- women. Beware of the Beware loose Beware of the loose ladies, <laughs> the, They are all the depraved. Right. They are depraved. Um, okay. Promiscuity. Sure. Um, okay. So they continue, however, whether or not the end result is believable is still a point of contention given our vast lack of knowledge on female killers. Dr. Chelsea Slater, psychology lecturer at the University of Wolverhampton, spoke to Express.co.uk exclusively about how Villanelle was shown on screen. She said, there is an issue with classifying Villanelle as a psychopath or clearly saying for certain that she is one. And that is because much of the research on psychopathy has focused on males. Well, Chelsea, Chelsea. Way to state the obvious for some people who don't know the obvious, Chelsea. Thank you so much. The article continues that the issue arises as the majority of cases that researchers and psychologists use to diagnose are sourced from male criminals. This is especially true of one of the main tests, the Hair Psychopathy Checklist Revised. Oh, is oh. that junk science again? Oh, it, oh, oh. Sounds, sounds like. Oh. It's a- Funny that. Imagine that. Mm. Um, Yes, which rates a person's psychopathic or antisocial tendencies. Quote, it was created based on male prison populations, and that is still the main group it is used on, she explained. And continued, there is some debate on if this scale can accurately classify females or if potentially an adapted or completely new scale is needed. This issue is purely due to the fact there are a great deal more examples of male psychopaths across history. Dr. Slater added, quote, when we start to get a female murderer... Those numbers start to drop, especially for women killing outside their family and not killing children, which actually I was glad they added this because one of the things we were talking about off mic was the fact that there actually have been recorded women who have been deemed psychopathic or sociopathic, and that's usually who they kill, husbands and children. Mm. And so, well, yeah, I saw a very disturbing story once about a woman who had like 12 infant bodies on her and... I could not sleep. But um, yeah, what's more, the few cases that exist and can be examined often feature women killers in partnership with men. This is also very true. She's clear then that it is extremely difficult to come in from the outside and clarify whether she is or isn't a psychopath based on what we've seen on screen. All this means is that Villanelle is an extremely unique character on our television screens, which is one of the reasons viewers fell in love with the character. Dr. Slater agrees, quote, it's something very different. She's not killing because of relationships she's been in or the men around her. She's completely independent, really, even with her handler being involved. Quote, she's killing outside of what he's asking for. It's almost refreshing that she has such autonomy. Even her own way has that same autonomy. I think what we're seeing is two different sides of a coin, which is quite a refreshing script for females in media, I think. End quote. Yes. Two sides of the coin. That's our girls. That's Phil and and Eve. And so I just want to say thank you to our Captain Wonder. Expert. Yes. Captain Wonder. Thank you. Captain Wonder, you brightened our day <laughs> with this article. Thank you for sending it to us about a week or so ago. We fucking appreciated it. So there you have it, guys. This basically illustrates what we said in the Disco episode where we, like, ignore the articles because most of it's just going to be, like, repetitive clickbait, just generating content for and about the show because it's back on in the UK. And we literally just had two articles completely contradict themselves with experts and a supposed expert who works on the show. And then a woman who was like, actually, we can't know. So there you have it. Who knows what's happening for season three? We still have no idea. They haven't shot anything. Anything can happen. Right? Like, you mentioned an article to me where someone was like, Where can Killing Eve go in season three? And I'm like, yeah, Do you oh, have an imagination? Exactly. Do you have an imagination? Killing Eve can go so many places in season three. There are so many freaking options. I mean, I know what yeah. I want, but I mean, what I can so, get. And also then that
0: was the life. independent, believe it or not, of, of all of the uh, publications. Killing Eve season two review. How interesting can this show continue to be?
1: Bitch, bitch, <laughs> delete that whole article, <laughs> delete it. Again, we'll link all these articles for anyone who's not seen them, who wants to read them and stuff, but now I see this other article that actually pissed me off. This was from GQ, and the title was Killing Eve is now the Jodie Comer show, and that is a great thing. First of all, who wrote this article so I can tell them to cash me outside? Oli! Oli Richards! Oli Richards, I'm in Brooklyn. Please cash me outside. I will fight you for Sandra O's honor because you need to learn some goddamn respect! Put some respect of Sandra O's name? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, let's just let's recap. It's Sandra right. fucking O. Okay, number one, number two, the show would not exist without Sandra O. Oh. And you might say, why? Well, because it's Sandra Oh and she plays fucking Eve and the show does not work without her performance as Eve. She also had to be a part of the show because if you look at the stats, if you look at what they said about the show, BBC was not getting this thing greenlit without an American star. And what is Sandra Oh? A beloved American star. She left Grey's Anatomy in 2014 and people like me were still waiting with bated breath for this bitch to take her next project. So GQ, Ali, I want to fight you. I really do. I mean, I want to fight you for Sandra Oh's th- These
0: there's lots of different passages Fix your in this face. article. You're gonna notice if you skim it.
1: I didn't even skim uh, it. Should I let me I, let me skim I, it now I, while you
0: speak? You're gonna and not be in love with. It's one of those. We're elevating Jody Comer, Jody the Comer, but while they do so, they oh wait, so they're shading the whole cast and crew. They're shading everything around Jody Comer. To I guess does this
1: guy wanna wanna get with Jody? Like no, don't do that.
0: It's Creepy, I mean, this is, yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy, standing. right, I didn't enjoy many of the things that I saw here.
1: Um, okay, I need people to stop, like, shitting on season two as if it's a total colossal failure. That's not what I watched. You know, in terms of, like, the dark humor, because Phoebe has very particular dark humor, and I think Emerald did a great job of trying to pick that up, but it's not Phoebe's exact humor, and so the jokes are a little bit less, um, I'm not even sure what word to use. Subtle? Because it seemed like this season, things were a little bit more on the nose in terms of stuff. And maybe Phoebe has more of a subtle way of expressing her humor. But no, there wasn't a massive quality in the drop in the show. What the fuck? Remember when season two premiered, episode one and we watched it and then we watched episode two and then three, and then four. Um, look at our length review times. <laughs> if, you oh, wanna, right. if there wasn't amazing things happening, we would not have crept up from, oh, this is an hour and a half recap. Oh, this is a two hour recap. <laughs> oh, this is two and a half hours. Oh, shit, bitch, we have beat Endgame. How the fuck did that happen? Right. Uh, Eve on her knees. But oh, ooh. by the way, for you oh. listeners, getting those socks in the mail, I hope you enjoy them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> MI6's Russian section chief Carolyn gets piled up with more and more eccentricities, like a sardonic buckaroo.
1: Wait a minute! Are they shitting on my Fiona Shaw? They're what coming, paragraph number? Wait, wait, tell me what number it's so I can jump to. It's under the
0: PWB British GQ banner. Where I see, I yeah. see, I see. It's coming each um, other. <laughs> MI6, they call her, first off, M- MI6's Russian Section Chief. Was, was I mean, that I guess. I mean, she is.
1: Designation. The one time I saw it, it was like the Russia desk. And so I don't know that Section Chief is a title, but I know I've seen like Carolyn Martins of the Russia desk. Okay. somewhere i feel like series two but i'm not sure oh look at look at me sounding like a brit mm. series two in series Gosh. two and you know gentleman jack's not gonna do anything for our wonton accent. oh no it's gonna get worse it's gonna get it's gonna get west. so bad yeah. i hope <laughs> for anyone who jumps onto that gentleman jack fucking feed apologies but also you guys know so what you're saying is i have to fight ollie for fiona shaw's respect and sandra l's respect yeah, there's a lot of i'm honor to that defend i'm good with that you know, I, I can be dangerous. So. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, they're not I'll as refined them, as they were in relation to Wait series one versus series two. Like there wasn't development of but the characters. Carolyn, but
1: Carolyn was further developed. Like, what do you what mean? What do you mean?
0: All the things that we assumed Carolyn would doing, we got to see we her doing We got to see that she things. was doing it. Right.
1: Okay. All right. Okay.
0: Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh. Uh, none of that is down to the actresses, of course. Sandra Oh as Eve and Fiona Shaw as Carolyn are gold standard. But their characters <gasps> aren't Sorry, Villanelle. I read ahead. I
1: read ahead. Right. Please mm. continue. I'm sorry.
0: Villanelle can assimilate into any story because that's her nature. Slap on a wig, change your voice, run with it. In the series, she goes from pretending to be a meek runaway to trick a poor lonely man to pretending to be an over it Manhattan princess to... Trick a rich lonely man. <laughs> Comer is effectively playing several characters per episode and nailing all
1: of them. So they're talking about Julian, and
0: and Peel. Uh, Peel.
1: Okay, but here's what I need for the unsophisticated people to get: is that just because a character is not as big or as eccentric as Villanelle does not mean that there's any less skill required in what Sandra Oh has been doing on the show or Fiona goddamn Shaw. And if you're confused, might I draw your attention to the Golden Globe that is somewhere on Sandra Oh's mantle? Might I draw you to Fiona Shaw's motherfucking BAFTA in addition to Jodie Comer's BAFTA? Can I draw your attention to the entire cast with the exception of Kim Bodnia? So sorry. So sorry, as people are calling you apparently online, Daddy Kim. I don't know if I can get down with that, Daddy K. But you didn't get a BAFTA. You were the only one. But literally, the primary cast, the entire primary cast has been honored. And these bitches are trying to assert that the show can just work with Jody. How does Jody work without people to play off of? How does Jody create great scenes if there's not someone else to play the scene with her? I don't understand. The show can't just be about Villanelle. Will I watch Villanelle's adventures? Yes. But does Killing Eve work without Eve? No. 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 Um, I just, let me read this part because I'm, I'm upset. No spoilers, but as Killing Eve heads towards series three, it looks like there could be a radical new direction. As long as that's centered on Jodie Comer, it will be worth watching. Um uh, what's
0: with all of that shade? Because if you think about where we are for those of us who made it to the end of season two, series two, I'm still there frozen are in my position, guys. I have predictions that we made. If you go back to our snack episodes, if you go back to our episode review that is over three hours long, we are definitely mulling over many Points. Many. What kind of
1: person watches Killing Eve and doesn't watch it for the ridiculous, the inexplicable, the fucking intoxicating goddamn relationship and push and pull of stuff between Eve and Villanelle? Who is watching the show for not that? This doesn't make any sense. What? And then he continues, send Villanelle to jail for a surrealist version of Orange is the New Black. Bitch, I really want to fight Ollie. I really do what he just compared killing eve to orange is no it's well it was a show that was once good (laughs) it's now less good (laughs) send her into hiding in one of those small i'ma just really need y'all to put some respect on sandra o's name i already asked the fandom to get off her areola for that gay times uk interview and i'm just really i just do we need to do a sandra o appreciation thread on twitter something like what is happening What is going on? Oh, I could
0: reactivate that. I definitely have Is it because
1: Eve was more muted this season? Which, hello, development. And also, strong prediction. I'm making it right now, before 2020, that Sandra Oh will absolutely scoop another nomination, if not another award in the 2020 run for whatever they have Eve do because I fully believe, given how she had to play Eve this season, that whatever happens next season is going to be a turn up in all kinds of ways because it has to be. Oh, I it has agree to that be. it has to be. It There's has to be. To that bitch will be like, give me my up. second Emmy. Actually, no, third. Well, just give me my next Emmy nomination. Give me my next Golden Globe. She'll probably have stiff competition because I don't know what happened. I was watching Gentleman Jack. I saw Saran. I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, self. Look at you splitting your loyalties. But, Come on, come on! You know what I'm saying. I'm preaching to the choir. Hopefully, I'm also preaching to the choir with you guys listening. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, none of you listeners are not putting the amount of respect on Sandra O's name that she deserves. Because if, if if that's you, well, I love you for listening to this podcast. I I will fight you too outside. Like, just come to Brooklyn. <laughs> we can have it out. Because no, no, no. We must never. We must never underestimate and take for granted, the incredible thespian power that we have on Killing Eve and that is everybody. Right and down to Kenny and Elena. Excuse bye. me. Everybody makes the show. Okay? So
0: Ollie, what the fuck are you not perusing like dick, the, the all the fans? wow the i just thing? spilled my coffee but that's because okay. there's tons of fanfic and you know what you know and <laughs> he's Villanelle, not reading the fanfic no Villanelle is yes she's one of the characters in many of the fanfics but the fanfic doesn't just have one person in oh my it, god look know, at my waveforms not, wave not i hope it's not, not completely out of control i'm <laughs> afraid to look
1: <laughs> look oh, at I it it's off, off the that. charts It's I out see. of control. See. well i mean whatever ali you took us there you took us off did the waveforms right did that yeah i'm sorry guys We'll try to adjust it <laughs> most uh. so that your ears don't burn out. But you know what? That's all the energy I have for Ollie. That's all I wanted to say. It's just I just wanted to say that this is not the only article out there that kind of has this sentiment about it. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Jody is not there flexing all by herself. I mean, when it's her role, she is. But this show works because of the two of them and their chemistry and the bond. And we can have all kinds of discussions and arguments and opinions about where the two of them should go, how it should end. But... I think we should all be in agreement that if it doesn't involve the two of them, what are they doing? What is BBC doing? What is Susan doing? It won't make any sense. And I think also the voting bodies would be like, what are you doing? You're not getting (laughs) nominations this year because that's what sells it. That's what sells the fucking shit. It's why people have chemistry reads. Whatever. Okay. So thanks for bringing that horrific article to my attention, Terrence. You know, it's good to rage. It's good to have a Ragey TED Talk every now and again. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that was mine. So... PSA, put some respect on Sandra O's name or else. Fight me. The end. That was the end of Kansas TED Talk. Should we? I, I feel can like I go to can... something fluffy for Sandra yes, O? Oh. because. Please. <laughs> Thanks. There was a little fluff piece. I don't know if it's a fluff piece, but there was a bunch of actresses featured in an article from the Hollywood Reporter. Among those actresses with Sandra O oh were Kate Beckinsale, Mandy Moore, Connie Britton, Charlotte Hope, and whatever, whatever, whatever. This article basically was like, oh, hey, ladies. How did you shape your characters in your fucking show if you care about any of these other women like Juliana Margulies from The Hot Zone or Laura Linney in Ozark? I like <laughs> Laura Linney. You can check this out, but I'll just read what Sandra Oh said in response to her questions. So they have, after season one ended with a dark cliffhanger for Villanelle. Eve wrestles with her guilt over stabbing her obsession in the cat-and-mouse game that the two know they shouldn't be playing, but have no desire to stop. In season two, Eve can't help herself from falling deeper down the well into Villanelle's extremes. Question, when was a time you thought your character was a badass? Sandra responds, That's tricky because I kind of feel like Eve doesn't see herself as a badass. But I'd say the confrontation scenes with Villanelle, every single confrontation scene with Villanelle, going back to the first season. Eve was a badass in season one when she first meets her because even though Eve is petrified, she won't be intimidated. She's a very normal person and as she gets deeper and deeper into her relationship and enters a dance with Villanelle, she becomes more extreme. Next question, What did you bring to your character that wasn't in the original script? She responds, that's a very tricky question because it's like, (laughs) I think also we should take from this when we read that Gay Times UK she's like, that's tricky. Clearly that's a phrase Sandra uses, it's like, like. So, okay, just keep that in mind, guys. But she answers, that's a very tricky question because it's like, what does the actor bring to the words? I just think that's too difficult to answer because I bring my life to it. It's too difficult to see and honestly, too personal. You just bring whatever's going on in your life and your day as well as the background work that you do. You bring so much of yourself to it, you know? all your feelings and all your rage. It's great to be able to act it out and not hurt people. I mean, in a creative context. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Oh, look, baby Olsen is in this. Baby (laughs) Olsen. I didn't even know that she was in the article. They tucked her away. I love baby Olsen. For those of you who don't know, we refer to Elizabeth Olsen as baby Olsen, which is our affectionate nickname for her being the, the youngest famous Olsen sister because we talk about her a lot in our Marvel podcast as she plays Scarlet Witch. And it's being held back by the vision. But whatever, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down that road. I'm not gonna go down that deep dark road. Okay, so we'll link that too if you guys just wanna read some plug and about Sandra O, oh, some happy shit. We'll also just link some weird tabloid thing that we saw where Sandra O oh was working out and somewhere in the UK and I'm just like, well, can someone show off that Sandra Oh body to the fans? <laughs> can it just not be Villanelle? Like, can Sandra O's character wear a decent pair of pants? Because you, they put her through it in the final episodes. They were like, fuck your shoes, fuck your socks. Oh, yeah. Wear these, these grotesquely fitting khaki pants and still look fly. Which she did. Which I'm just saying, did. we could totally do it with some other fashions. We could get Eve, bad Eve, angry Eve on the rise. And so she just like has a different inspiration for her wardrobe. I don't fucking know, but... We'll link that too. And there was a cute article from Backstage.com. If I you go- saw that. You saw that one. If you guys aren't familiar, it's a casting website. And so, you know, typically they ask questions, I guess, from a thespian perspective or not. But this article title is called Sandra O oh Takes Acting Inspiration from Beyonce. Do you? I do. I don't act, but I do. I just take inspiration from Beyonce in general. We'll link it for you guys to read. But she tells a funny story about her worst audition horror story and apparently it was for the American version of Shall We Dance with J-Lo and Richard Gere which all right I guess I can read out the advice she would give to her younger self because it's good advice for everybody and I would agree and that is don't be so hard on yourself I think that's probably we should all tell ourselves now yes yes people if you are listening be easy on yourself give yourself a hug if you can you deserve it If you can, if you can. I feel like, where's the Beyonce advice? Like, I wanted to read that, but... Oh, let's see.
0: Mm -mm -mm. So, what one performance should every actor see and why? (laughs) Right now? Hello, Beyonce's homecoming. Any performer of any kind? Watch that shit. Uh, particularly for the stage you see embodiment in such a huge way Mm -hmm. you see she's resonating and moving very far and i'm really fascinated by that it's about what she knows how she understands scale how she understands the camera but mostly it's the body walking into the clearest channel possible so you can see all of these movements Their bodies are reverberating with this power. It's just a beautiful reminder of how important it is, how powerful it is, and how we're just telling stories through our bodies. Uh, To see all these black bodies with so much power, I don't don't have enough words for it. It's strength and power, but not only that, it's joy and communion and healing and
1: discipline. I'm all about it. Yo, that was the right answer to read. That was a good-ass answer. I like the way she put that. I I would agree. I'm just always a fan of movement, choreographed, detailed movement because my mom began her career as a dancer and I've just always watched, loved watching dancers, particularly women, ballet, modern, contemporary, performing. Well, (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, I was going to say, um, what do you call it? Uh, with movement? It's the New York scene. No, no, no. When you're like being experimental. I don't know why I'm forgetting the phrase. It's because it's 7 a.m. Um. Performance art. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yo, how could I forget all the people who do performance art around the city? So I just like that she described it in such a vivid way. I feel like Sandra O would just be a great person to have just some really nice expensive whiskey or cognac or bourbon and just talk about life with like a joint. Oh, I I agree. I do. Agree I'm just with saying, that. Sandra. Oh, if you ever listen to this, invitations in- always invitation. open. Hit us up. We're in Brooklyn. You can come by any time.
0: Have a have a good, have a good old
1: time. <laughs> a gay old time. Oh yeah. Uh, so we'll link that for you guys to check out. She gives some other answers there, but that was our favorite answer. And was that? I think that was all for our little article roundup. I mean, there's other stuff, but it's mostly fluff and bullshit. But yeah,
0: that's definitely fluff. That's fluff. That's fluff. The Saturday paper I actually really liked. It Indeed. Was, that was. Um. I want to say that it's.
1: It's. What do I want to call this? It's
0: a very good introspection
1: into season series two for. All right. Wasn't there something you wanted to highlight from that article? I feel Uh, like you read something to me, and I was like, that was really good. Continue reading your one free article for the week. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot, though. They're like, you can only read this article, and you're done. Oh, you know what it was? It was, they were talking about morality in the show yes. and how it sort of gives you the idea initially as a viewer that there are these moral lines that are drawn between characters and as the show continues you realize Mm-mm-mm. it's like well i don't know why you were rooting for me that way i never said that that's what i was about
0: exactly. i never said that i was the hero and it's it's without people saying that it's like
1: what about that kid i don't know that kid <laughs> yeah there's this one section i'll read it really quick it says why the show asks is one murder more acceptable than another Why should Villanelle be allowed to murder in self-defense? And if she's killing a bad person, quote-unquote, why should it matter whether she was asked to or not? These acts of violence from Villanelle are colored, of course, by a series of increasingly violent turns by Eve. As Villanelle's moral compass is strengthened, Eve's weakens. The goal is not to humanize any particular character, but to display how slippery concepts such as innocence and guilt really are. This decision by Waller-Bridge to present all characters as immoral is Killing Eve's most caustic and daring turn. These characters are immoral not in the depraved outlandish way that they are in, say, the shock comedy, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but in a kind of uneasy, everyday way. Characters initially drawn as good and bad in Killing Eve season one are now presented as equally good or bad as each other. Villanelle is a murderer, without a doubt, but is that really worse, Killing Eve asked than Eve, who more often than not finds herself making unsavory or unethical deals in order to further her cases. Is it worse than Shaw's Carolyn who, it seems, will willingly manipulate her staff to any degree to get exactly what she wants? One of the sublime perversions of Killing Eve's second season is the fact that by the end we're most ably in touch with the psychotic villanelle, the only character who really has strict ethics in that everything she does is entirely self-serving. That's not true.
0: I... I think you stumbled upon the little bump in the
1: article. Oh, the lump say, that you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. um, I'll just say that when I read that, what immediately came to mind was Gabriel and the prison bitch. Whether or not it's the type of empathy you would show to argue that Villanelle doesn't show a type of empathy, the kind of empathy that she can muster every so often for both Gabrielle and the jailbird. That's ridiculous.
0: I think it's more of the levels that some people can choose to not see just because she has so many layers and levels to her. And so that's why they're not giving her the credit that she obviously due. we're fucked
1: up because we saw that one <laughs> clip where people were like oh she killed a child and we were like yeah well we oh, saw it coming <laughs> exactly I was like mm, well bad is there anything else we want to touch on this article oh, um let's see
0: mm-hmm. oh. Wait, it's not a particularly strong moral call, but at least she stands by it, which is more than can be said of her foils at MI6. When Ow. a minor twist snags Eve's operation in the season two finale, viewers will hear something Villanelle once told Eve ringing in their ears. I think if you went high enough, you'd probably find that we work for the same people. I'm season saying, one episode. Season five. one callback. <laughs> okay, let's see. Do-do-do-do-do. That's more
1: of the other show, more of oh, the other show, more of the other Oh, they're talking about Fleabag here. Show. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a love letter to Phoebe's writing, and I'm down with that. I I don't mind that at all, because they do speak a lot about Fleabag. If any of you listeners are out there watching Fleabag as well, then you'll probably find this article... A particular delight, and so that too will be linked in the show notes. Oh, I did like this little blurb uh, about the payoff of sorts
0: in the episode's final minutes when Eve stabbed Villanelle—a moment of sexually charged adrenaline <gasps> and fear <laughs> of everything that killing Eve season yes, one finale could yes. have delivered: sex, a fight, an enactment of the show's title. Eve's wild act of violence felt the most unlikely.
1: Yes. I like that. That was excellent phrasing. So that was a great question about amorality. Wait, what was that tweet that you showed me that was about bedside revelations? You showed me something. Oh, wait, it was yes. like, it was a tweet that was showing Eve laying on her side of the bed, which happens yes. to be the left side organically. And then Villanelle laying on her side of the bed, which happens to be the right, right side, side organically. organically. And that sounds like fate. That sounds like his mouth. I'm just saying. That sounds like magic. I'm just saying, whatever. We- Two sides of the same coin. It fits with everything we said. If you don't,
0: Ever have to fight over where you lie in bed because that's that's life. Yes,
1: show me that's the picture. Life breaking. See that picture makes yes. me think she's longing. Oh, you don't get that? Right. it's so cute. Yes, I like it. Why they use Bing on Apple computers though is something else entirely. I mean... But because um, you gotta you gotta program that in, <laughs> right? <laughs> to get to Bing on your like, Apple. Are
0: You sure you want to use me? Because that's what it asks you, and you're like, yeah, let's do it,
1: man. Do it. Shit. Also, what was that other great tweet we saw? Oh, I know what it was. It was one of those things that took me into my, my sad feels. Someone was pointing out that they were still weren't over the fact that Villanelle opened the door for Eve and she just walked by her. And oh, I was like, yeah. what, an, what a lovely interpretation. Because who doesn't love more angst? I do. And I was like, I'll take that. I'm, that's canon for me for now.
0: I mean, all I'm saying is what
1: I remember from that was her being in a daze. Women are the only people she has time for with chivalry. So I would believe that. I don't think that Villanelle even considers chivalry as a concept for men, but for women, well. Well, she buys gifts. She does things. (laughs) Uh, Sorry for my Looney Tunes laugh right there. That That was ridiculous. All right. So I think that concludes our news that we were going to sum up. And so, yeah, as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, we're going to start reviewing Gentleman Jack. Hopefully those of you that reached out and were like, can you do it? Can you do it that you're happy? Because we will. We're totally going to get on that shit. I have to confess that I've already watched it all the way through about one and a half times this is one of the. Okay, wait. Things. Why are you interrupting my I'm Gentleman so Jack soliloquy with sorry. fan fiction <laughs> edits that I love? First of all, I retweeted that. So, <laughs> what Terrence is showing me is one of the lovely videos that the fandom appears with online. And I just saw it one day on Twitter, and it's the scene. So it's the top scene of Villanelle from when she was fucking Sebastian very vigorously and emotionlessly in, what was that, episode four of season one? And then Eve in episode one of season when one her when her arm is asleep, asleep and she's waking up screaming. And so they splice those together. <laughs> so it looks like Villanelle <laughs> is um, putting to work oh, yes. on Eve and Eve is barely under control. So thank you, fandom, once again. <laughs> for your inventiveness, for your creativity and your use of editing programs. But yes, back to Gentleman Jack. I don't know what I was saying except that we're gonna fucking review it and here's the reason why. It's kind of like when I said online, what was it, a week ago that I enjoyed, like I didn't hate Dark Phoenix and people came from my right. neck because they were like, you? What was The biggest about? X-Men ranter in the world? Well, it's because well, when women are allowed to flex in a certain capacity, I can admit that it's good despite what my leanings towards certain aesthetics would be and so on the surface like we said earlier, I wasn't sure if I wanted to review it because how did I know it was gonna be good? How did I know it was gonna rise to the levels of okay I can talk about this for an hour or more and I want to talk about this for an hour or more and I gotta be perfectly fucking honest with you guys I was just giving a TED talk as I am known to do the other day about how sick I was of Pride and Prejudice and that whole heteronormative aesthetic and standard of Victorian Jane Austen whatever the fuck I'm over it I'm done with it I don't fucking care it doesn't move me ever and it won't ever move me and yet somehow somehow Sally Sally Wainwright, writer for this damn show. Somehow she was like, bitch, I'm going to give you that Victorian goddamn aesthetic. I'm going to give you those motherfucking curls. I'm going to give you this ridiculousness, and you're going to like it. And I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> what? I, I mean, me hearing and understanding that she's sold on this show, I mean, I'm down for the ride, personally. So I'm just saying, because you wait. know I would
1: be the biggest critique. <laughs> it is in the Victorian era. It does not feature a queer couple of color. And these are my biggest criticisms for the genre of stuff that comes out. And I'm totally gooch. I'm totally gooch for that. I mean, it's I true. suffered
0: through Downton Abbey for, you know, Maggie Smith. And Everyone apparently, through apparently Charlie <laughs> Cox, <laughs> who I just did not know that was in there. Oh, you at didn't all. know he was I in was there. Like, That's wow. wild. But then, you know, so for me to do something in a similar era, I, I'm totally fired with going Victorian for.
1: So queer content yeah you Mm. guys and if you're not familiar if you're one of the listeners listening and you're like what the fuck are you talking about so gentleman jack as previously mentioned is on hbo it's a joint collaboration with bbc one and hbo and it is just concluded if i'm not mistaken maybe a week ago it's run on broadcast and it's about a woman named ann lister who lived in the victorian times or i guess technically Was that Georgian? Is that the period that precedes Victorian? I'm I'm asking you, like you know, but I feel like it's the Georgian era that just precedes the Victorian era because of those four... King George's? I don't know. If someone's out there fact checking my history, I'm sorry, but I mm. feel like I'm right. I will look at it later. I'm too lazy to Google right now. So Anne Lister, she lived in this time. If you guys aren't familiar, she kept diaries. She essentially kept diaries from around the time she was in boarding school, around 14 years old, to her death at 49, I want to say. And cumulatively, these diaries are 28 volumes and over 4 million words written down. And what people discovered later on in life is that, well, they didn't discover, but they knew that part of her journal was written in code. And this code wasn't cracked for some years. And when it was, people wanted to burn the ship because they read it and they were like, this is pretty gay. What does that say, tripping? I'm not saying that they had those words back then, but it was the Victorian equivalent of like saucy, Hmm. detailed, (laughs) detailed (laughs) sapphic goings on. And people were flushed immediately reading it. And so it was locked away or hidden away behind the walls of Shibden Hall which was her family estate until it was uncovered and retranslated by another woman who spent five years on this shit wrote a number of books about Ann Lister and gave us the additional information we have today of the fact that she was super queer she was a bit of a rock star lesbian to quote people who (laughs) quote her and if you read the books I mean I mean really I mean I'm just saying (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, tryst after tryst <laughs> hidden between the lines within the ledges. All you had to do is crack the code, and then you'd have been a fanatic
1: yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and this actually gets to the heart of why I was actually so moved by the show is that, you know, I'm a big cynic. Everyone knows that, but I'm I'm also simultaneously a diehard romantic. And most of my cynicism comes from the fact that my heart has been blackened by the plethora of hackneyed heteronormative narratives that have come out in the last couple decades, save for maybe a few outliers that I really enjoy, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or maybe Amelie or Jerry Maguire. It's true. I like Jerry Maguire. I'm Romeo and Juliet, etc. And they've paled in comparison to my favorites, many of which are from like the Golden Age, for any number of reasons, but well, that's what it is, and I can't help it. Well, before I even go further into that, what would you say if you had to pick out was your first movie that you saw that you found to be incredibly romantic and maybe, incredibly romantic and magical, and maybe just sort of like created the archetype for you in your mind about what cinematic romance looks like?
0: Well, to me, romance is a myriad of things, unfortunately. I liked, of course, I grew up with Disney, but you know, that's not the, that's not what my my love for romance was i liked seeing little things like siblings be in love with each other not in the crazy oh. <laughs> siblings in love not with each in the other game way. of thrones right. kind of not way in but the, in the, right the i mean like way. if you think of uh donnie henson and kit keller in a league of their own them oh! coming up to me that was a love oh! story Darce, Murphy, and uh, All the Way movie. May, like those two together, and then to see them in the future flash forward, and they're geriatric, and they still loving on each Are other. Are you trying
1: to make me cry come, on this podcast? Here, Do you know that come every single in, in. every single time I watch League of Their Own, every single goddamn time when those old biddies get on the field yes. and they start throwing balls, yes. and they're like, it used to be, I <laughs> fucking cry! That Better song is still on my phone. What? I can't stop. Thank Here you so much come. for this. Look at my eyes. are turn up right now. The
0: time <laughs> has come <laughs> for one and all to, to play, play ball. ball.
1: Oh, yes. my God. <sighs> <sighs> oh, my God. Penny Marshall. Yes. Penny, Penny Marshall. R.I.P. Penny Marshall. Damn it. She died last year, and I fucking was upset about that shit because she didn't make a lot of movies, but the movie she did make. Oh, right, right. God, oh, oh, to accomplish what Penny Marshall did. Anyways, right. So, okay, so you're saying that your favorite type of love like was... Like love and romance, or not do you so have, much romance, but... Do you have, like, an archetypal film for romantic love? Like, is there something out there that you saw in that it's your closest note of perfection or like what or just just sets a standard for you that if you saw something like it and it was all queer that you'd be like oh my god that hits the benchmark
0: okay so if I could get a
1: queer version of 10 things I hate about you wow I don't know what to say right now because I have a personal issue with that film and um, well you know my history with Julia Stiles. Well, and yeah. So- <laughs> yeah um okay so we're right, like okay right. so here
0: enter a girl okay. who has all these thoughts and feelings and she just she's trying to bulldoze her way through the world on her terms
1: i think we both like those relationships that start antagonistic well i mean like i hate you <laughs> but i love you yeah i mean <laughs> yeah bad. Okay. yeah i mean do you have any other suggestions besides uh 10 things i hate about you uh i was gonna
0: say I see a lot of anti-suggestions that are flashing through my head. Like I seen, just saw love and basketball. I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> and then I just saw, uh, save the last dance. And I was like, it. no, Whoa, I don't last. want that either. What
1: is with you and Julia Styles? No, now I, I admit yeah. that Julia was everywhere in the nineties. And that was <laughs> a problem for me in some she instances, was. but <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Okay. Let me frame this another way before I give my answer to this question. Um, did you ever have a character that was like, I have a friend, hers was a dude from Casper. I'm forgetting his name, Devin Sawa. Uh, you know, like, can, can I, keep I keep you? It. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, that was hers. I know. But look, you're so fucking oh, Sorry. It's creepy <laughs> She's like, to hey. me. She's going to listen to this episode and be like, what the fuck, Terrence? I'm oh, sorry. Um, no, but like, she. Because we were talking about this, like your first impression for romance on a character and what that looks like, who who you potentially had a crush on or just like idolized in certain kind of sense. Is there someone like that for you that you were like, I see this movie and it's Leo DiCaprio in Romeo and Juliet or yeah. it's mm. Devin Sawa in Casper or it's. Uh, I'm blanking out on '90s. No, no, no. I know, but I mean, away. I
0: could definitely think of like uh, stuff that I didn't want it to be. <laughs> I don't know. Like, That's a bad I'm choice. not gonna say like the I don't know. ducky of the the film, was doing like John Hughes stuff. Like, I'm not gonna. Oh wow, John Hughes. Wow. Wow. It's not wonderful. No, it's like it's problematic, not. but right. nostalgic. I'm <laughs> like, no,
1: <laughs> no, oh, dear.
0: Like, I like but not with characters doing things with each other. They never, like, I like the characters
1: in the films, but okay. not what they do with other characters. Like, Well, see, okay, it'll be more interesting then to see how you go through this series because uh, I have a very specific idea. And I, I sat and thought about it, and I was like, well, let me just try to break it down for a second. And for me, that first movie, that was a picture-perfect version of romance in terms of all the stuff, cinematography, score, acting it was The Sound of Music and I think it was such a Julie Andrews Um, but I think it was you know I saw it very young and it was one of those things that my mom was like it's wholesome you could watch it in single digits and it left a complete indelible impact on me because well Julie Andrews is in there and she was incredible. But like the set, the the wardrobe, the the grandness of the story of being in Austria in that big giant house, because that kind of story can't happen for a regular family. It that happens for a family of means where you're like, this whole shit is their property. This whole lake, that's their fucking lake over there. And just when I was a kid, it made me fall in love with so many things that I would end up just loving long time, you know, just in films or in art or whatever of just like the presentation Of what is this? And I guess especially as it comes to like the heteronormative standard of cinema and who gets those stories of these grand sweeping stories, these beautiful landscapes, these huge sets, and you know, ultimately like the tops of the pops. Like that's that is sound of music to me. And that's what I'm trying to bridge with Gentleman Jack, is that I had a similar experience, which really shocked me. I know. It really brought out the cheese in me, which it's a little frightening. And how quickly I dove into the stuff. But it's also, I realized that as much of a cynic I am, it's really like what I was saying before. My heart has been darkened by the hackneyed, heteronormative stuff that I really yeah. kind of forgot how desperately... I actually wanted to see that type of structure for a queer couple. That we're going to get the same grand treatment and that's going to be the fucking cinematography. It's going to be an original score. It's going to be these huge sets. It's going to be a period fucking piece where the shit fucking feels motherfucking authentic and shit. And um, it was rather very moot. I'm still a little in shock. I have many comparisons to make, which, you know, if you guys... And care about film, trivia, or history. That's something I will be doing because there's a number of things I feel like Sally drew upon when writing and directing this show that I really do appreciate just the visions of stuff. I'm trying not to give too much away because right, I right. want you to be some surprise, but I also know. I'm just like, but eh. I'm still
0: excited. So um, I I can't wait. I cannot wait. And if oh this God. gives <laughs> me someone to root for, oh or two gosh, to root for,
1: I was just having flashbacks to. Of- Sound of Music. I had like three crushes in that film, at the very and least. you
0: know the words to sing. Never on Julie Andrews.
1: Julie Andrews to me was always like close, like perfection. <laughs> her voice was just like, oh, and women who can sing. I just had a lot of them in my life. And it's just something I'm just like, that's magical. Sing and she was twirling and her nuns were better than my nuns in the school. because I went to Catholic school. I was like, this is fucking great. The crush came for Liesl and the Baroness. Eleanor mm. Parker. I mean, I'm well. sorry. And it was it was it was for the Baroness. Like yes. I don't know what age it was that it clicked where I was like that, hmm, that yellow dress. <laughs> that yellow dress. Like <laughs> I'm just saying. She did what she could do with her lines because I felt for her. Like I did want Maria. And, you know, Georg to get together because that's, of course, what you want. But when she was up there on the balcony looking down at them, I was like, oh, who's going to comfort the Baroness? Who's going to comfort Eleanor Parker? Because she's in that yellow dress and she's being ignored. And I don't feel like that's right. I feel like somewhere that's illegal. (laughs) I don't know how we gone to Eleanor Parker. I probably have dozens of crushes from the golden age. I really do. But yeah, so Sound of Music for me is a type of benchmark for filmmaking, period for how it can look, for how it can be, for how it can all tie together. And then on top of that, you have the epic romance that ends not necessarily everything solved, but in the way that you want for your characters. The world is at your feet. Anything could happen, full of possibilities. And I'm just gonna fucking say that, spoilers, no spoilers, that's how Gentleman Jack ends its first season. And I i saw the ending possibly being like the way that it was and I started to yell aloud, like, is this really happening? And then it happened! And I was like, I'm, um, um, I'm undone. <laughs> I'm Twitter-pated, you know, <laughs> Disney Twitter-pated. I'm just somehow giddy, and like there was a crane shot. I'm just like, they're giving the gays the cranes. Like <laughs> when <laughs> <laughs> Sally, I want to send Sally a gift because she gave me a gift of Gentleman Jack, <laughs> I mean, and really I'm right, still right, in shock about it. For um, it. Yeah, <laughs> the show delivers. I couldn't anticipate how well it would deliver. I couldn't anticipate how badly I would want this type of romance story. But it's what happened. It's a great buildup. It's a slow burn. If you guys like a slow burn, you know, relationship, which, I mean, you're watching Killing Eve. <laughs> Is there a slower burn I mean... in TV right now? Because these bitches at least get to the schmang in the show. So we're all ready. We're already ahead <laughs> We're already of the game. We're already moving at a faster yep. pace, right? Yep. Lots of longing looks and a credible amount of time for the characters to fall in love on screen, which is super important. Ann Lister's one of those characters, or not characters, but she's one of those people that kind of like how I feel about Harry Tubman, that realistically a movie, it can't, it, that's not right. That's it's, not what you do. Yeah. And I'm still mad about the Harry Tubman film because what she deserves is a mini series or ongoing series like what is happening for Gentleman Jack. Like
0: maybe do something with WGN if they still can do stuff over there. Like, how they were doing underground but just make it i don't know centric to someone just spectacular
1: i saw some christmas online where people who didn't like the show couldn't get into it they were like well i want to see Anne, the player And it's like, well, if you read some Mm -hmm. of those diaries, Anne was a bit manipulative. She wasn't Uh necessarily the nicest hoe all the time. But at the same time, we can be happy for the romance. But also, if this show breaks big and it gets popular, that just means more people will be telling parts of Anne's story because the bitch literally wrote down four million words. There's a lot to tell. No one will ever (laughs) fully be able to tell what that bitch did. So it's okay to have this sweet, romantic story because some of us need it. And also, you know what else that I realized was totally lacking from the lexicon of a lot of queer characters? She fucking, she fucking codes his butch. Like a fancy butch. And I didn't realize until I was watching it that I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> something happened between like... I mean, you can tell me what you think, but I feel like something happened and it was somewhere in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, where there were these... There was actual films being made because I remember going on my my queer pilgrimage of films and then finding all the independent films that all the women made in the 90s. A lot of them were based in New York. And sometimes the aesthetic was a little much because I was like, what's going on here? I just don't get it. These bitches are coming of age in like 89 yeah. and 1990 and I just don't understand what's happening here. But I was happy to see it. But the likelihood that you would see someone who codes as butch or a little bit more masculine was higher, right? Okay, there's bad stereotypes, there's weird stereotypes. And then something happened where like the quote unquote lipstick lesbian, the more or femme lesbian or bisexual, pansexual, whatever, became the norm in in TV. And you kind of don't see the reverse or the, just a a foil, just a different type of queer woman. And it's like, well, we aren't all coded strictly feminine sick. okay sometimes right. we have different days where we feel differently some of us code androgynous some of us code masculine and again it also can depend on the day for the bitch and it's just sort of like i didn't realize how badly i want to see that energy yet again because i was like mm, i don't think i've had anyone that potentially could code this way even a little bit unless you're talking about the l word which highly problematic also super old but yet that's where it was because they tried to feature enough queer women to be like okay Here's a selection of somewhat, a uh, small, small, mm-hmm. but somewhat selection of stuff. And it doesn't exist. I mean, if you can think of one that you can help me, uh, like within the past 15 years. Please. Oh, that was me asking you. You don't yeah, know. No. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, Candace. Don't ask me. I mean,
0: would you say that uh, Lori Petty's Tank Girl was coded Okay, as- but that's the 90s. I know. I know. That's
1: what I'm saying. It totally, like we can't even count the 90s because that's the last time I actually can remember seeing the aesthetic consistently and when i was younger in high school i started i mean one of the best ways to see gay content was to like volunteer for the the lgbtq festivals that were happening in the city and then i eventually started working for a bunch of them and so and get on the screening committee and you like watch it and then you realize oh my god 95% 95% of the movies people make, they're horrible. But, but you get like a nice cross section. And I just feel like, I don't know exactly when it happened. I don't know how fully explained to it. I'm sure it's a, some combination of like the hets and stereotypes and queer people trying to break their own stereotypes. But now we're in a whole new stereotype that is still very small. And restrictive, where women are concerned, and how they express themselves. And so I was just, you know, I was happy to see it. I was happy to see this completely unconventional badass bitch who was out of fucks to give in 1831. I mean, technically 1815, she was out of fucks to give for men. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's misandry, and she doles out her misandry in spades. So I definitely thought I saw a clip of her. Looks like almost. Uh,
0: fisticuffs with some random guy and I... No comment I know, on what that I know, is. I'm going to stop um, digging for information.
1: Yeah, don't just- dig because <laughs> you'll want to be surprised. But she does have some scenes where she get up in a dude's face. and I, I just appreciate that shit because mm. not every girl, not every woman can get in a dude's face. But some of us can, right? Yeah. Like some of us can. It was like my friend who was talking about being harassed from the train station. This was a couple... A couple days ago, actually, and she was coming out the subway and, you know, drunk guy and being handsy and being fucked up in the way. Right. Right. But she she's completely different from me because she got she saw me. She's like, Candace, oh, my God, I wish you were with me because everyone knows Candace is about that, that masandry violence. And I'll reach in with a flying kick Mm -hmm. in no time. But she was like, because I don't have any confidence in, in this type of physical behavior, I did what a lot of women do, which is placate. Say bullshit. Yeah. You know, pretend like you're into it just so you can get to a safe space. And um it was just nice. It was nice seeing another seeing a bitch on TV. Who, who um that who had that energy. Yeah. Who had that energy. So, anyways, I'm sure that we will be going on and on and on about Ann Lista and Saran Jones, who does a fantastic job of playing Ann Lister in the show Gentleman Jack, and also the actress who plays Ann Walker. Yes, they're both named Ann. The N Squared, the uh, played Ns. by Sophie Rundle. And do you know who else is in this fucking show? Gemma Whelan, who played Yara. Yara Greyjoy. Uh, mm. The uh, drink-swilling oh. Oh. bitch fucking Yara Greyjoy. And she's playing such a different role from what she did in Game of Thrones. I'm just having the best time watching her. And so, yeah, you guys, we will post the name. The name of this podcast will probably be Gentleman Jack Crack. <laughs> I mean, we threw that, we threw that around. We threw that around early. Gentleman sure Jack Crack. The, now, and Podcast. now they're going to start doing
0: it. We're going to see Gentleman Jack Crack just spilling everywhere. It, it needs to exist. spill. Yeah. I,
1: right now there's a lot of fluff online, but the show leaves you feeling so good that is there even time for crack when you're right. still in your fluffy feels. But um, So we'll keep you guys posted on that. And when that should post, if you want to join us on that journey for another British show that is actually fucking incredible. And not enough people are talking about, it, as far as I'm concerned. So we will add our voices to the chorus. But ultimately, that's all we have for you guys. I feel like I, I looked at the notes here. Wow, seven thirty-five a.m. Mm-hmm. We started out this evening watching Jessica Jones. Yes, <laughs> for we another did. podcast. Okay, said, yo, here we are, and it's really your fault if you hadn't it taken is. me down the YouTube Listen. of queerness to be like, look at this ship, look at this ship, look at this ship. I mean, you gave me root and Shaw. I did. I did. And I, dead. I, everyone I, should have ruined Shaw. <laughs> you know what? I still haven't like taking you to, like, and I need to take you to those depths black sales.
0: And then you left me
1: with Roots
0: and, and, and Shaw, <laughs> and then there was an
1: elevator separating the two of them. And I'm like, don't bring that, it's gonna bring bad memories for the fans <laughs> who, watched, who watched that because we had to deal with a separation for several episodes. But, um, Just, yeah, dude, oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I did that to you, but. I guess I deserve, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I deserve uh, what you did to me. That's cool. But you guys know what it's like where you can just go to YouTube and find every single gay show that <laughs> ever existed and just be like, here friend, watch this. Oh, yeah. Let me get you into the fandom by showing you this fan mashup clip This and is right. be it's, it's
0: like the express version of the show. It's, it's just all the stuff you want all on top of Thanks each other. Thanks to all the
1: gays out there who, who keep us laced in queer content from ev- like every country. You're like, what are they Thank watching you. in Spain? It's on YouTube. What are they watching in Venezuela? It's on YouTube. Is there a gay show in South Africa? It's on YouTube. And you know it's just the part you need. They're like uh-huh. X out that part. Edit out that head, motherfucker. We don't need them. This is the content you want to see. And I just want to say I appreciate all of you uploaders out there. You're the best. Thank you. Do we? I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add? I am.
0: I'm blanking. Um, offhand, I can't think of anything other than to tell our uh our people also just serving, thirsting and craving for more killing Eve related content oh. to uh continue to be on the lookout for random things that pop up on your timelines oh wait random things for
1: us we're working on videos we're
0: ridiculous (sighs) oh yeah um Uh, we're, it's the
1: time it's a plug guys we're, we're plugging a thing we're so, so good at it we're so good at plugs aren't we the best okay guys so yeah we're working on a series of videos that are our our favorites our favorite moments of stuff from Killing Eve we've worked really hard on our list if you could see the Excel document that exists on Google Docs you guys would be thoroughly <laughs> thoroughly impressed because first of all you'd be like how do they have so many lists like how do you just imagine in your head what might Candace and turns make a list about Make it about 10 times more extreme than what you just thought of. And that's what we'll be releasing. Hopefully we'll have our first video up by the end of this week. We are going to try to do that because it requires the edits and the recordings and such. But yeah, be on the lookout for that. We're going to knock them out probably one or two a week for a little bit until we can get our expert in the studio to talk about stuff related to Villanelle. Because, you know, I like intellectual shit. Terrence Agreed. likes intellectual shit. We like to listen to smart women talk. All of that works. So, Yeah. Just keep on the lookout for that and stuff on the Insta where we will post things. And um That's, that's all I got. Okay, so where are we at?
0: We're at Insta, so you know us at uh, WoWLVillanelle well, well on yes. there. Um, you can email us at heyyouguys at woWellVillanelle.com. That's that a real too. email address. It's and real. Some of you are using it. We some do. Some of you are using it. Appreciate Incredible. it. Uh, on Twitter, we're at WellVillanelle because um, we, we ran out of characters. It won't let us go any further than that, so it's just, well, They're rude. that's our at. Uh, and our, let's see, we
1: got the Insta. Twitter. Tumblr. com. However that works. So- Villanel at where Tumblr is at. If any of you listeners will be in New York at the Mermaid Parade at Coney Island the next weekend.
0: Category is <laughs> Under the Sea.
1: Under the Sea. Show
0: me crustaceans. Crustaceans. Show me mermaids show me just give me give me all of it. show me tilapia show me give me
1: i'm mad you said tilapia I mean, what hey the i'm looking yo for you six. said tilapia <laughs> you said tilapia i'm, I'm just looking I'm for sure. I'm, I'm looking for effects <laughs> <laughs> oh wait you're looking for effects you know what i did that a year i mean i've only ever gone to the mermaid parade if i'm participating in costume or whatever but one year i tried to do contacts but like I, contacts and me but that's not something that should ever happen because while i was looking fly and fierce i could hardly see some shit and oh, people was no. like it's your eyes they look it fits your costume and i was like bitch i'm about to throw these on the ground and right. i did they were expensive <laughs> but as soon as i got to the after party it was like boop boop on the ground it's done contacts aren't for me sorry
0: and don't be afraid of wearing something you can walk in like that. It, it's wear something okay. you can walk in. No, <laughs> it do is that. totally okay.
1: And wear something you can maybe lose if you get too that drunk. Because that's cute. also a high, high <laughs> possibility that you will make it home with less clothes than you started out with. So if you guys are going to be out and about in New York enjoying all of the, the queer fandom that is happening now and every week up until the end of the month you might cash us outside and, you know, throw us a tweet. We had a few of you throw us tweets to be like, hey, we're coming to New York for Pride. Well, bitch, if we're around, say hello. Right.
0: All right. so uh, I feel like that brings us towards the end. So if there's no further until next time, guys, here's hoping you get killed by a woman! And gentlemen, Jack
1: Reviews are coming soon, bitch, Iliad
0: style!
1: (laughs) Bye, guys. Totally murder.